Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. So I'm glad you're here. Go ahead and get your Bibles out. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 is where we're going to be. And if you didn't happen to bring a Bible, if you don't own one, don't leave today without one. We have plenty to give to you. There's one in the seat back right in front of you that you can take with you if you so choose. Galatians chapter 3. Guys, we've been in this series. This is actually week four of the series called Transformed. And and it's been, uh, I hope, helpful in your walk with Christ. I hope that it's been supplementing your faith and encouraging you in your pursuit of Christ-likeness. I want to kind of just review some of what we've already talked about. And in week one, we were in Romans 12, verse 2, and we talked about conformed versus transformed. And it's the idea that we're not being formed into anything that we can find here on this world or this earth, but we're being transformed. We're being formed above or across what this world has to offer into something totally different. So I'm going to have you do something that you did then. Look to your neighbor whoever's sitting next to you, and say, hey, you're different. Go ahead. You're different, right? That was week one. We're built different, right? There's something different about us as believers in the formation of us and the morphology of how we exist. And we talked in week two, right, two weeks ago, we were talking about how this process of transformation isn't just taking the old stuff and making it better kind of like a process of restoration, like in an old car or something. But no, this is like totally reconstructing everything. This is taking out the old and putting in the new, like we saw in 2 Corinthians 5. And, and we called that what? Regeneration, right? We're totally made new as new creatures. So in one sense, we've already been transformed. Agreed? We've already seen a transformation happen in us as believers, But we also, like we talked about last week, realized that we're not there yet, are we? (laughs) Right? We, we, We talked about how we've been transformed, and yet we're also still growing into maturity like Christ's fullness in every way possible. And we talked about our head and our hearts and our hands, right? Like those are some of the main ways that we see God transforming us and helping us move into right thinking, right? That's the end goal. That's what, that's what we were, we're being made into, formed into, complete Christ-likeness. And today, we're going to finish out, we're not finishing the series, but the rest of the series and the weeks to come is going to be answering the question, how do we get there? How do we as believers get to that place, complete Christ-likeness? How do we grow into that maturity like Christ's fullness in every way possible. And guys, as I was talking about it last week, like, like the beauty of complete Christ-likeness, and, and I shared with you some of my own like achings and longings to, to be there, I heard some of you being like, amen, oh, I'm tired of how I am and I wanna be there, right? Like you, you were sharing in the groanings that I was sharing with you, right? Like you, we would all agree, oh, how beautiful it would be for us to be like Christ completely. I think we're all eager. So if we're all eager, then we all should be begging the question, oh, how do I get there? What do I do? Well, that's what the rest of the series is gonna be aiming to answer. And, and, and today, we're 
starting off with how not to get there, right? Today's basically some house cleaning. We've got to do some in-house cleaning with how we, as the church, think about how to get there and some of the wrong ways that we've thought about it so far. We've got to do some house cleaning, and that's actually what Galatians is often penned as, is this Paul is cleaning house in the church in Galatia. So, so let me give you some context about, about, about what's happening. Paul's writing to the church in the city of Galatia, and, and there were these Christians, they, they heard the gospel and they believed, but then the church was infiltrated by these guys called Judaizers, right? And they, they infiltrated the church, and they started preaching and te- teaching these believers that unless you're circumcised according to the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. In other words, they, they were teaching that you still have to keep the law in order to be saved completely. And evidently, the Galatian church was buying it. They were, they were, they were swallowing it whole. Now, we're going to be in Galatians 3, and our main verse is verse 3 itself. But I'm going to start in verse 1, and we're going to read all the way to verse 6, because it's, it's a lot of context, and it's helpful for us as we read through it. So this is from the CSB version. You foolish Galatians. What a... What a place to start, huh? Who has cast a spell on you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by the Spirit, are you now finishing by the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing if it in fact was for nothing? So then does God give you the spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law? Or is it by believing what you heard? Just like Abraham who believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Guys, let's just be honest. This don't feel good. right? Paul called him a fool how many times? He said that they're bewitched. Like they've got a spell on them, a spell of just dumbness or deception. I don't know. But it, 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 this is a hard-hitting passage, right? I, I'll admit that. It's tough. He's asking tons of questions that are, that are actually theological implications, right? He, they're not just ambivalent or, or superfluous. They're, they're important questions that he's asking. So like one question, he, he said, did we receive the Spirit of God and all that the Spirit of God brings to us? Did we receive it by good works that the law describes or by believing what we heard? Which, what's the answer? What, how did we receive this? By works or by faith? Faith. Of course, it's, all, it's by faith. Guys, that's, that's what the whole Protestant Reformation 500 years ago was primarily about. It was clarifying that all of God's grace towards us isn't by our works. It's by faith alone because he is gracious. He des- he's deciding to give good gifts to us. That we can't earn our salvation. We can't earn God's spirit or his goodness towards us by our keeping the law or by our success according to good works. Guys, that's the gospel, right? That's what we believe, that's what we preach, that no matter who or what, no matter your background, your past, your socioeconomic status, no matter what, by faith, you can enter in. You don't have to work your way or clean yourself up. You can just enter into the presence of God through the person of Jesus Christ by faith in him alone. That's the gospel that we 
sing about, and we praise God for. But we get to verse 3. Again, that's our main verse. And he says, are you so foolish? After beginning by the Spirit, are you now finishing by the flesh? Now, there's a key word in there that we're focusing in on that leads me to believe that this is a lot more than just about initial salvation. There's a key word in here that shares the same root word that we looked at last week when we talked about maturity. And what do you think that word is in here? Finishing. Are you now finishing? Some of your translations might say being perfected by, or, or your NIV might say something like trying to finish, right? That Greek word, is, its root is telos, right? It's the end of it. It's the completion of the work. There's nothing more to add on to it, a.k.a. it's maturity, they're the same cousin word here. We're talking about, are you, are you pressing on into completion? Are you trying to complete your salvation by your works in the flesh? Are you trying to press on into maturity? Guys, this, here's a little bit more Greek. The, the Greek word here in, for finished is in the present continual sense. Which means he's not talking about the past. He's talking to the Galatians about how they are currently now and going to in the future think about their growth. How they're going to think about their maturity and the completion of their faith now and into the future. Where their process of transformation has been brought to completion like we studied last week. So, so, so he's dealing with that and he's saying how do we get there? How do we complete this salvation? How do we complete the work of maturing. Well, what were the Galatians believing? That it's by works of the flesh. That it's by works of the flesh. Are you now finishing by the flesh? Guys, they knew the gospel. They knew that they should be justified by faith alone, right? They had seen publicly portrayed Jesus crucified, right? They knew that they were needing to believe upon Jesus alone by faith alone. Believing everything that they heard about Jesus, that was what saved them. But the Judaizers came in, and they were teaching the Galatians that they needed to keep the law in order to perfect or complete their salvation in Christ. And we know that salvation isn't just a once and done thing. You are saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved, right? But they're saying that you now have to go on to work to attain that salvation, to attain the goal of being made complete. Christ. So they started off by the Spirit in faith. But are they really believing that they finished the race by their good works? By the good things that they do according to the law? Guys, I mean, that does seem pretty foolish, right? I mean, that's what he says. Verse 3 starts off Are you so foolish? To think this way. That you start off by faith alone and you finish by works. It's foolish. That's what he's calling out here. How could, how could the Galatians be so ignorant of the gospel, of the whole gospel? But, but guys, isn't, isn't this exactly what we do too? In the church, with other brothers and sisters in Christ, 
Maybe not intentionally, I'm not calling us out like we're intentionally preaching something that's false, but maybe passively we, we think that this is the way it ought to be and we help others in this way. Let me, let me give you some, some examples. So let's, let's say that there's this guy who's been far from God his whole life, right? And he's coming to the point where he's just at the end of himself. And he's saying, God, I want to know you. I want to find out more about you. And so what he does is he looks up on Facebook and he finds that friend who, who was kind of, kind of pro, like vo, a little vocal about their faith in Jesus on their social media page. And, and they reached out to that Christian that they once knew. And, and they, they kind of reached and said, hey, what, what do I need to do? What do like, I want to know God more. How can, can you help me? Give me some advice. What's the typical advice that we would give that person? Go, go climb a mountain and have a mountaintop experience. I'm not saying that that's usually what we say. Maybe. Some people might say that. Go ask God to reveal himself to you. Some other, some other people might, might say things like, hey, you just, nope, nope, just start reading your Bible and start praying. Even though you probably won't understand a single thing in the Bible and you don't know the God who you're praying to. Or go to church. You got to get plugged into a gospel-believing church. Get into a small group or, or, or get plugged in and do life with other believers. Or, or what about when a sister in Christ is just in this cycle of habitual sin and she's just wanting it to end and she's wanting to be set free? What is the counsel or the advice that we commonly give that sister? We say, hey, you need to memorize this passage of scripture and read this helpful book on this topic and, and, and get an accountability partner. They'll, they'll be sure to help you. Or like when, it, when, it, when a Christian marriage is in trouble, we say, go get counseling. Or when there's somebody who's dealing with anxiety or depression or loneliness, we say, no, no, no. We say, give, just, just give your troubles to Jesus. Or, or we say, go get a prescription. As when, when we try to help people in their pursuit of Christ-likeness, we typically give them a list of things to do or to stop doing. Do we not? We say, hey, you got to cut this out of your life. Start doing this. We're giving them a list of behaviors to put on. Telling them to build up certain habits that really ultimately just reduce down to doctrinal, moralistic, pietistic, or therapeutic exhortations of some kind like, hey, just start remembering and reminding yourself of God's sovereignty, or, or you need to explore the, how your family of origin affected you from growing up, or you need to have this mountaintop experience, or you need to get into new friends to get rid of the old ones, you need to repent of bitterness and love your enemy, or you need to, you need to just start praying the easier prayer every day and claim your victory in Christ. Like, I don't even know what the easier prayer is. When when people want to grow in their relationship with Jesus and be more like him, we often just give them a big old to-do list or a bunch of habits that they need to implement and a list of habits that they need to get out of their lives. Because if if I can just be honest with you, that, that is Aristotle clothed in a fake gospel. Aristotle was a philosopher who often talked about habituating yourself into change. That if you implement the right habits in your life, you'll find yourself being changed. 
And we've taken that, we've molded that into a gospel that says, hey, if you habituate yourself into good behavior, you're going to find yourself becoming more like Jesus. We're essentially saying that if you grow, that we grow into maturity as Christians by the works that we do. And brothers and sisters, is that not what Paul is calling out right here as foolishness? We started by faith. Are we completing ourselves by works? How foolish is that? This is what Paul is calling out. Believing that we grow into maturity and into completion by the works of our flesh. So it's like, it's like we, we let God carry the weight of our sin on the cross and we say, all right, well, I've got the rest from here. All right, I'm going to try and I'm going to be like Christ more and more. I'm going to work hard and do everything I can to be more like him. You, God, I've got this. You took care of that. I'm running the race here. Let's go. I've got this. Don't worry. And we muscle up and we try to become. Guys, it's, it's like we're riding the horse across the Jordan River and we're deciding to get off halfway saying, all right, God, I can take care of the rest thinking that we're strong enough, thinking that we're capable of it. Are we so foolish? We began by the Spirit in faith. Do we as believers press on into maturity and into complete Christ-likeness by works of the flesh? What is the answer? No. It's not. We are not completed by our works. We don't grow up into complete Christ-likeness by the things that we do or the behaviors that we put on or the habits that we start to develop. But why is this even something, though? Because if you're like me, I grew up in this mentality, right? And a lot of the scholars and theologians and pastors that I listened to and heard of and, 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 and paid attention to, they were often saying, hey, you're sanctified by your war with sin. And, and hey, when you do these good things, you're more like Christ. It's like, really? Why is this something in the church that, that we would say, hey, we're, we're starting off by faith alone, but we're gonna, we're gonna complete our salvation by our works? Why is that even something? Why do we find ourselves leaning towards a works-based sanctification or transformation well if i can just put it straight we're we're a quick fix people aren't we we like the quick fix with as little inconvenience as possible which is why when i had a, a clogged up pipe in my house this past week for over seven days our kitchen line was out we couldn't use our kitchen and I wanted the easiest quickest fix possible when really what needed to happen was there had to be walls cut out and they had to cut through pipes and they had to drain the whole thing with this jet thing it was frustrating as all get out talk about trying your faith I realized how not much I'm like Christ as I thought I was but we're a quick fix kind of people we like to be in control and we like to be finding the easiest and simplest way to what we want, which is why when we see those articles that are titled like, hey, seven steps to a new you, or, or the five stones to kill the bad habits in your life. That's why we click on those all day and we read them and we try them out and we, we just fail over and over again because we can't keep up. We try the next one that's titled something fancier. We want the quickest and the easiest path to what we want. 
right? So, so I mean, don't believe me? Look at this thing, right? What is this? It's a phone, but now it's a smartphone, right? It's a smartphone designed to take every inconvenience away. You want food? I can press a button and have it here in three minutes. Do you, you, you want, you want to, uh, aren't you glad that cell phones are no longer this thing that you tote around in a bag and you pick up like a brick? Like, convenient. Or what about, no, now you don't have to carry around a picture camera anymore or a video camera. You've got one of the best, most advanced cameras right on the back of this thing. What about a GPS? No, you don't have to carry around a GPS anymore. You've got it built right in. What about a flashlight? Nope, got you covered. This is what we now do at concerts, right? Or what about a radio? I don't, I don't need the, the in-dash radio anymore. I've got podcasts and everything I can listen to to the end of my heart's desire. Or a calculator. I don't got to carry around a T83. I can carry this thing around. Or a notepad or, or an alarm clock, right? All of these inconvenient things that we have to tote around just assimilated down into one convenient thing, a quick fix to all of those things. That's our nature. That's, that's what we try to, to fight for, especially in our advances in technology. But we do the same thing with our struggles with like lust and, and pride or envy or complacency or like distance from God. And we think that those things can be by a quick fix in the behaviors that you have. So if you, if you just say, well, I'm going to start reading scripture and I'm going to start praying, I'm going to get an accountability partner, I'm going to go to church now, or I'm going to put on a content filter on all my devices. What about when you find a way to get around your content filters? Or what about when you don't tell your accountability partner the truth because you're too ashamed? Or what about when you fall out of the habits of going to church or getting in God's word on a routine basis? What do you, what do, you do then? Guys, if our mentality or our strategy for our spiritual formation is all about our works, then I promise you we're just going to drown in guilt and shame. 100% guaranteed. Guys, I can tell you, I have, I have never felt closer to God because of something like a duty that I performed. And I've never felt closer to God because of feeling guilty about not doing something that I should have Has any kind of guilt in the Christian life, any kind of guilt over who you are or who you aren't yet, is simply revealing that you're trusting yourself for your growth in the first place. So we, we, we can talk all day long, oh, I'm not, I'm not where I should be and I'm not who I want to be yet. And yet those are just really subtle ways for Satan to come in and deceive you into being stuck in guilt and shame and a cycle of habitual sin. Because I have to tell you, guilt is the worst fuel for motivation. I guarantee you, if you've got a car and your car is your Christ-likeness and you're trying to pour guilt and shame into that gas tank to get it going, it's not gonna go far. I guarantee you. Why? Because that's been my cycle of spiritual growth for many years until the last few months. Prayerfully with one of my mentors here, Bruce, 
I learned that I believe that guilt was my motivator for change, that if I don't feel guilty, then I'm not actually going to be changing in my character. I was using a works-based spiritual performance to try to get myself to look more like Christ, and it never seemed to work. And I was unwilling to let go of that guilt until God showed me the truth that guilt is not how we change. Our, Our guilt over our failures to perform isn't how we actually change and how we're transformed. It just doesn't work. Because one of the things that I found myself doing, and you might be in the same boat, is that when we feel guilty, we're, we're blaming ourselves. We, we get angry at ourselves because once again, we failed. Once again, we've fallen short and we're not good enough. And then that anger turns into a self-loathing. Right? Where we, we hate ourselves and, and we, we want to devalue our significance because we really, we're, we're not that significant. And, and we can't keep up with the spiritual performance that we think is really required for us to grow. And so we're in a cycle of, of self-hatred and never growing in Christ. Because our works aren't where we want them to be. But guys... How can we hate something that God loves? You're actually telling God that he's wrong for loving you when you hate yourself. Or why would would we devalue or make less significant something that Jesus has purchased for with his blood? Why, Why would we do that? We'd say he got it wrong. No, he, he didn't waste a single ounce of his blood in purchasing you. And God isn't wasting his love on you because you're not measuring up to the things that you think you need to measure up to. Here's one key element behind all of this, guys. It's this. That our good works were never designed to form us into Christ-likeness. They never were. Can you, can you read this with me? One, two, three. Good works were never designed to form us into Christ's likeness. Guys, how do I know this? Just look at John chapter 15 when Jesus himself give us, gives us the illustration of the vine and the branch. We are the branch, he is the vine. If we abide in him, we bear fruit. If we don't abide in him, we do not bear fruit. Fruit is good works. We also see in Matthew 5 that Jesus tells us, he commands us to let our light, that is the light of Jesus, shine before men in such a way that they produce good works that cause people to give glory to our Father in heaven. Guys, good works were never designed to form us into Christ's likeness. No, good works are the expression of Christ being formed in us. There's a massive difference. Our good works, the things that we do in faith and the goodness that God commands us to do are the expression of Christ being formed in us. So this means, this means then that that to-do list of good works that we often give those who want to grow in their faith are the expression of a growing, abiding faith, not the means to attaining it. So we have done so much wrong to 
to tell people, hey, start doing these things and stop doing these things if you want to become more like Christ, if you want to grow and understand your relationship with God. We, we, we're telling them to do the expression of Christ-likeness. We're not actually showing them what Christ-likeness really is. So therefore, when, 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 when there is little or, or like immature faith, or sorry, immature fruit in a believer's life, or they're wanting to start to grow into fruit bearing, it's not, the, the solution isn't to start giving them more fruit to try to produce, right? No, in other words, we're not telling them to do good, more good works. No, the fix is to check the roots. The fix is to check the heart and the mind out of which these things flow. So that's, that's what Paul is calling out in this verse. He, we, we don't go on in our transformation, in being transformed into completion and to, into maturity by our works of the flesh. We just don't. We didn't start by our works and we aren't completed by our works. Can you imagine how exhausting it would be if we were? That would be utterly depressing. We didn't start by our works, we aren't completed by our works. And that's the contrast that Paul is consistently bringing up in this passage. I mean, if you were to go all the way back to chapter 2, verse 16, and talking about our justification, he says that we're not justified by our observing the law, we're justified by our faith in Jesus. If you look in verse 2 of chapter 3, it says, Paul's saying, hey, we didn't receive the Spirit by works of the law, we received it by hearing with faith. In verse 5, you can look there. It's, God doesn't give us the Spirit and do miracles among us by our doing good works. It's the believing in what we heard, like Father Abraham, the man of faith. You know that guy who had many sons? And many sons had Father Abraham? Right, that guy, his kind of faith is what credited him righteousness. So God gives us the Spirit, and works miracles among us by our faith. And guys, I can't think of a greater miracle that God could ever work in our lives than to make us look more like Christ. And we think that it's done by the works. No, it's by faith. This is the main thing that Paul is getting at in verse 3. Our part in pressing on into maturity, into growth, into completion is what? Faith. Guys, we're not transformed by works. We are transformed by our faith. Can we read this together? One, two, three. We are transformed by faith, not works. This is how we get there. This is how we grow into maturity like Christ's fullness in every way possible. It's by our faith. And what I mean by faith? It's everything that we believe everything that we're truly convinced of. Because you and I both know that we think something true is up here, but our heart reveals that we don't actually believe it to be true. Like I did for 16 years about my faith in Christ when I was growing up. I knew it up here, but it wasn't actually convinced of it down here. We're transformed by faith, not works. 
Guys, there was, a, there was a sermon by John Wesley that really shaped a lot of how I thought about this. It's called The Scripture Way of Salvation. I would encourage you to read it. It's available for free online. This is one of the things that he said that, that really just sparked all of this for me. Faith is the condition and the only condition of sanctification. Sanctification being transformation. Exactly as it is of justification. It is the condition. None is sanctified, but he that believes without faith, no man is sanctified. So this means that our lives as Christians growing into Christ-likeness starts, is maintained by, and comes to culmination and fulfillment through faithful dependence on the activity of God's Spirit alone. Not by relying on works of the law to do the work of maturing. As we truly are transformed by faith, not works. Now, at this point, what's the usual response? Whoa, wait a minute, Scott. You saying we don't have to do anything? We don't have to do it. We can just, we can just kind of put out the, 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 the suntan chair and we can lay out on the beach of heaven and, and just soak in the rays of the S-O-N-E sun or the S-O-N sun. I can spell. The S-O-N sun and just receive that spiritual tan that makes us look like Christ. Is that all we have to do in this faith? Are we passive in our faith? No. No, we're commanded to believe. Does this get rid of any effort on our part? Absolutely not. Guys, Dallas Willard, you're welcome, Joseph. Dallas Willard says that grace is opposed to earning, not effort. Right? Effort is an action. Earning is a mindset. We don't earn our growth, but we work it out with fear and trembling. So yes, there's still effort, there's still action on our part, which is what we're going to spend the rest of this series talking about. What efforts do we need to put in to grow in our faith? But then also we have to ask the question in response to all of this, if we're transformed by our faith and not works, then where do the spiritual disciplines come in? Other people call them the means of grace, right? Where do those come in? Like what I'm talking about, like our reading God's word and our praying and our scripture memorization and our meditation on it and, and the close relationships that we're building up with other believers and in small groups and, and like biblical counseling and those mountaintop experiences. What are, what, what are we supposed to do with those if we're sanctified by faith, if we're transformed by faith, not works? Are those spiritual disciplines no longer needed in the believer's life? What's the obvious answer? No. Of course they're vital. Of course they're important. So, so one of the things that we can confuse when we say, hey, you need to get in your Bible and you need to start praying is we think that those works in and of themselves are what transform us. No, it's the God we encounter in those things that transforms us. Let me, the, the most important part of this is how we view these spiritual disciplines in their role of transforming us. And, and I think there's a helpful way, uh, John Ortberg is a pastor, he, he he describes it as the, a mindset difference between a motorboat and a sailboat. A motorboat and a sailboat. And it's the difference between the two. So a motorboat moves forward by what? What's it use? A motor. It's right in the name. All right, the series of chambers firing gas that spins the propeller and pushes the boat forward. All right. That's the mindset that Paul is calling foolishness in regards to our sanctification, in regards to our transformation. And yet that's the mindset that we often find ourselves in. 
for our growth. That, that we, we keep in the spiritual disciplines because those are what move us forward in Christ-likeness. They're the motor. No. No, we, we need to think of the spiritual disciplines more like a sailboat. I've never been on a sailboat. I'm pretty sure I'd crash and sink. But I know basically that there's, there's something like a sheet that gets raised, right? Hoist the mainsails, right, from the Pirates of the Caribbean. And you, you raise it up and, and you steer the rudder and you, you move and, and, and you find yourself relying totally on what to move you? The wind. And you don't have any control over it. You can't influence in any way and you're always dependent upon it. And you know that without God's wind or without the wind, you cannot move forward in any way possible. You can try to get out a row and start moving yourself, but then you're relying on your own works again. No. The spiritual disciplines are like us operating the sailboat, steering the rudder and raising the sails, but we cannot cause the wind to blow. So in other words, by themselves, spiritual disciplines don't yield the transformation into Christ-likeness. They're the environment. They, they, they put us into the position to be encountered by the God who edifies our faith and transforms us by what we believe. So this is why we immerse ourselves into things like, like reading through scripture slowly and studying it and, and growing in our understanding of God's word. And, and this is why we meditate on it, we memorize it. It's why we get with other believers who, who keep us focused on God's word and, and understanding it more and, and, and willing to preach it to us when we're finding ourselves in, in bad places. And, and this is why we turn on that radio and turn it to music that really just builds up our faith and reminds us of the truths that we once heard and are still hearing and will hear and hold on to until that day when our faith becomes sight. So that's why we love getting in God's word and praying and meditating and memorizing and, and singing and getting away to be with God because they put us in the environment. They position us for it, but they are not the means. Now as, as for maturity itself, Growing in Christ-likeness. Because it comes to us by faith, or because it comes to us by believing the truth that we heard and the truth that we are hearing, guys, you can look for it in every moment. Even right now. You can, you can expect from God right now by faith his desire is to make you look more like Christ and to be more like Christ inwardly and outwardly in this very moment. So if, if you find yourself saying, well, uh, well, first I need, to, I need to do this and I need to stop doing that and I can't do, keep on doing this before I grow, then you're totally dependent upon your own works for you to grow in your Christ-likeness because you want something to be done first. No, it's by faith and you can expect it by faith as you are right now for better or worse. Guys, God wants to make you look more like Christ. One of my favorite passages of scripture is 1 Thessalonians 4.3. God's will for your life is your sanctification. He wants you to grow up in Christ-likeness and he's eager for you to grow up into maturity and look like Jesus more and more and Christ is ready. In you, he's ready. 
and by faith. He is all we want. So, so perhaps, perhaps you're filled with guilt at your inability to escape the habits of sin that just keep tangling you up. Or maybe, maybe you're ashamed by your inability to keep the spiritual habits that you thought completed your transformation. Guys, the whole point of this morning is for you to just come out. Can I invite you to come out of that and find rest in the transforming grace of God? Not in the transforming demands of God's commands. Can you come out and rest? Because I know you're weary if you're heavy laden with guilt and shame. Guys, you have to know you are not your sin. You're not your sin. And you're not your failures either. So you can hate your sin and not yourself. You are not as significant as your best works. Remember, Scripture says that our best works are just like filthy rags. You are not as successful as a Christian as your spiritual performance is. No, you are right now, regardless, loved by our King. As you are right now, and He desires and wants to continue doing a work in you that is not conditioned upon your performance. It's conditioned on your faith alone. Everything that you believe. So guys, this, this is the gospel. This is the gospel that we believe. We started out in faith, we continue in faith, and we will be completed by faith alone. We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesboroughfm.com.